Remember that old saying? Love them and leave them. <laughs> Perhaps you've met people that live life like that. Of course, what they really mean is use them for your own pleasure and when anything or anyone sounds more interesting to you, dump them. <laughs> That's what they really mean. The reality is that it's always, always really been a choice of love or leave. Even if you have to physically leave someone <laughs> in this poor fallen world, love never fails. You're still with them in love. Love. Love is expressed in a set of actions. For us, love is the action, right? God designed us such that feelings follow life's actions. Correct life actions produce proper feelings of love. Uh, God himself, by the way, does not have this difficulty. <laughs> the actions in the heart are and have always been one with God. But people, mm, not so much. <laughs> and how is it that people work when you put them to it? When the pressure mounts, how will they react? Will they love or leave? Of vital importance to every individual human being is this question. What will you do with Jesus Christ? After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? As Jesus cranked up the pressure, many who were his disciples left. Not long before this statement, Jesus had miraculously fed thousands of people with one little boy's lunch. And then he used that as an object lesson for spiritual truth. In essence, he demanded absolute commitment to himself and unconditional submission to truth. Will you leave everything behind and follow me? Or will you leave me? After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Have you ever seen... I hike a lot. <laughs> but you've driven around and you've maybe seen rivers, raging rivers with this huge rock in the middle. And the water comes crashing against the rock. But it can't go through the rock. It has to go one way or the other. It is forced to move one way or the other. The Apostle John will now take his audience on a little tour. <laughs> Jesus is the rock against which the waters will crash. Which way will they go? John is going to share a series of vignettes, little stories within the big story, all of which show people smashing into the rock and the path they take when confronted with this ultimate truth, this one who is truth incarnate. And he starts with geography, Galilee, rather than Judea. So Jerusalem is in Judea. In the south, Galilee, before the Romans came, was just another area of Israel, Okay, the people had a bit of an accent and they wore slightly different clothes and let's face it, it was kind of the backwoods. Okay, it wasn't Jerusalem, it was those people, right? 
But they were all part of one people, Israel. Uh, The powers in Jerusalem had authority and great influence there. But the powers in Rome had torn apart these two lands. They even had different rulers. About the same time, Rome also swung a deal with one of the political groups in Jerusalem and Well, basically, they sold to the highest bidder the position of high priest, (laughs) Uh, the ruling position within Israel. Needless to say, the average Joe, okay, the average Jacob in Israel, found this obvious graft, this uh, just a pure bribe to be repulsive. So now you have a mistrust of the authority of the Jewish rulers, the Jews. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke use that phrase, the Jews, all together, all of them put together 15 times. John says, the Jews, 63 times. (laughs) That's right, four times more than all three of the other gospel historians. There might be a reason for that. Now, sometimes he simply means people of Jewish descent. But almost always he means the ruling Jews or those who follow them. And by the way, in Acts, Luke continues to use the phrase like John did 46 times. Also mostly to mean the enemies of Christ in Israel. So when John says Jesus mostly moved about in Galilee, he isn't just saying Jesus stayed there so he'd be safe from the Jewish rulers, although obviously that was the case but also that many more of the people from that area believed in him than those who lived where the Jews lived. Alas, but not all, as we'll see with the very first group of people we consider. A main theme, as you read John, a main theme in John's Gospel is acceptance or rejection of Christ, of the Son of God. And the four groups in this passage that we want to consider illustrate that love them or leave them truth. Jesus' own half-brothers, the crowds of people in Israel, the Jewish rulers, and the officers who were sent by those rulers to arrest Jesus. In each case, we'll find out that some followed Jesus and just like with the eleven and one apostles, some leave. We better start, as John does, with those sons of Joseph and Mary who should have known better. Now the Jews' feast of the booths was at hand, so his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Strut your stuff, Jesus, you big fake. For not even his brothers believed in him. Wow. <laughs> Isn't family wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> the one group anybody should be able to rely on and they toss Jesus under the bus. And now in fairness, we should point out that two of them at least eventually get it so much so that they even write two of the books of the Bible. <laughs> so, yeah, they do get it eventually. But then and there, Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. In verse 8, he says, you go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. We'll get back to these men again. But for now, let's look at what these guys who didn't believe demanded of Jesus and why. Jesus is one of those people, well, the one who causes polarization. 
You're either with Him or against Him. No one can ignore Him. Not for long. Eventually, everyone must love Him or leave Him. One or the other. That's it. And these guys, who had been around Jesus more than anyone else, I mean, they grew up with Him. They were put to the test pretty early. (laughs) Their response? If you're really real, make it obvious. And Jesus basically said, what's the hurry? (laughs) You guys rush on ahead. I'll get there at the right time. (laughs) For many people, when it comes to join us or get away from us, they demand that we make it easy for them. Make it easy. Make Make it obvious that I'm supposed to do this. But it usually doesn't work that way. It's not easy. It's straightforward, yes, but not easy. With Jesus, it's never easy. There's a guy, Father Fulton. That was actually his name. He was a priest, Catholic priest. But he believed. He was an actual believer. And he said to a pastor once, no one comes to Christ without a crisis. Something has to happen to you in our lives. I don't know what's wrong with us, but we need something to happen to us to draw us. It's not easy. It's not easy. It always comes at a cost. Of course, it's worth it. But But each person has to work this thing out. Each person personally, you personally have to work this out. Each person must wrestle with God and join us or leave us. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? After the big splash Jesus had made at the last feast, where he very publicly healed a man on the Sabbath, made all of those Jews mad, everyone is looking for this guy that everyone is talking about. And by the way, remember, there's no TV, there's no Facebook, there's no printing press, there's no photo galleries. Unless you've seen Jesus yourself, you really don't know what he looks like. And remember, the Jewish law, they couldn't make drawings of people or animals. They weren't even allowed to do that. Nobody knows what Jesus looks like unless they've seen him. So at best, you've heard someone try to describe him, but you really couldn't recognize him by sight. So only a handful of people actually know who he is when they see him. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. Well, some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet, for fear of the Jews... No one spoke openly of him. The Jews, the people, the people were on either side of the fence. He's a good man. No, he's a pied piper leading us all to destruction. Yet, for fear of the Jews, instead of diving in as John does with the crowds, the people, I'd like to first consider the Jews. I will consider the people another day. These men who could elicit so much fear that people only spoke in whispers about Jesus. And also, what about the officers they sent to arrest him? Let's look at that too. As Jesus was speaking to the people, uh, the lights kind of came on. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? Do you love the irony? They are seeking to kill him. Do they know he's the Christ? (laughs) Uh, I thought those two go together. (laughs) Our main point for today, everybody knows the Jews are trying to kill Jesus. 
So much so, remember, that they are afraid even to talk openly about Him. If they're going to kill Jesus, what will they do to me? But they can't stand it, so they're all whispering together. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about them, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest Him. This statement is, if you read the whole passage, is in the middle of Jesus' conversation with the crowd. Then he comes back to it later. John's put it there so that we'll know that the officers hear what Jesus is saying. Now remember, they don't know what he looks like. So they have to figure out for sure who he is. Uh, You don't want to go back and find out they've arrested the wrong guy and get in big trouble. So they listen to him for a while to see if this is the guy. And these guys, they don't know what to do. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. (laughs) That's why we didn't bring him. Have you heard this guy? And that's it. This is is our marching orders. That's not clear, huh? Alright, think of it this way. These guys who were dedicated to the chief priests and Pharisees so strongly that they worked for him as officers of the guard, when they actually heard the words of Jesus, they didn't know what to do. Now, if you've seen more than one Hollywood movie, <laughs> doesn't take more than a couple, you've probably seen Christians incorrectly and even slanderously portrayed, Right? But if we can get into a conversation with them, well, maybe not the people in the movie or that make the movie, but the people who see the movie, get into a conversation with them, if we can share the real words of Scripture, they won't know what to do. (laughs) They might do the right thing. And not only might they stop attacking us, they might even come together with us. They might love us. And if they do, then they'll get attacked. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities of the Pharisees believed in Him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. That's kind of harsh, don't you think? (laughs) To say someone is accursed was like, um, let's make this real polite, calling them fit only for the dung heap. (laughs) Okay, that's as polite as I can get it. You know, what are you listening to those idiots for? That's what they're saying. Have you ever noticed that people that don't have any facts to support their arguments tend to attack the character of their opponents? Same as junior high. Can you remember junior high? Oh yeah, and you're stupid. (laughs) Remember that? (laughs) But these are educated people. And none of them have been deceived, right? Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, and who was one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Ah, Nicodemus, the brilliant doctor of theology. Okay, Nick, the time has come. You're sweeping down on the rock. (laughs) Where are you going to go? Will you stand? Okay, he's pretty tentative. But it is a legitimate question that he asked. Aren't we supposed to give a fair hearing to everyone? Now, as usual, these slippery guys don't actually answer the question. They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. First, of course, they attack Jesus' character. Galilee, that low-life bunch of losers, you know, the great unwashed mashes. That's their opinion of anybody 
who comes from Galilee. So certainly, no one who came from Westport, or rather Galilee, <clears throat> could ever be the Messiah, right? But really, could not God raise up a prophet from anywhere He chose? And what did He profit? When did Jesus claim to be a prophet? Again, they don't really consider the real thing. Only their ignorant perception of what it is. And these guys, who ought to know? They're ignorant. They are wrong. Remember what they said about those people who don't know the law? Jonah came from Galilee. He's a prophet. How about Nahum, who was from the tribe of Sinim, whose primary dwelling place was in Galilee? Even Malachi was believed to have been from Galilee. And if they'd made any effort at all, they'd know that Jesus didn't even come from Galilee, by which they meant be born there. He lived there, but his origin was Bethlehem, just a few miles from where they stood. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Well, the first good news is, well, they listened to him. So apparently Nicodemus got them to do it. So that's good, but not really. <laughs> you ever talk to one of those people who has their answer ready before you even ask the question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These Pharisees already knew what to think of Jesus before they got within sight of Him. So Jesus lays out some truths for them. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Jesus knew who He was. He was confident in His faith. So he didn't get upset with all their lies and misinformation. He just laid out the truth. Are we confident in our faith? And if not, we need to get on the stick and question our Christianity until we have the answer. Not answers. The answer. You're never going to get all the answers. What we're saying is, when you finally reach the point where we know there's an answer, we know there's an answer. We may not know this specific one yet, but we know there is always an answer. That's when you are ready. And then, yes, we have to confront people. I've told the story here before, but I once had a non-believing relative tell me that Christians have killed untold millions of people as werewolves and witches. What? What? And I was incredulous. Where do you guys get this stuff? Well, of course, he didn't have an answer. Somebody somewhere had said it once. And he just decided to believe it without a shred of evidence. There's no such evidence. There's never been any kind of massacre or anything like that. Even the guy... You remember the Salem witch trials? You may have heard about him in school. Even the guy who pretended to be a Christian minister and killed the women in Salem managed only to kill maybe at the most, the highest estimate is a dozen, a dozen people before the real Christian leaders from some of the neighboring towns came in, challenged him, and they stopped all the madness. 
And nowhere is there evidence of anyone ever, even pretending to be a Christian who killed someone because they thought they were a werewolf. There's no, there's no, nothing, nowhere. It doesn't exist, okay? Why do people believe this stuff? Well, because they have no real facts to combat Christianity, so they have to make them up. Back then, Jesus told those guys, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Jesus wasn't yet at that point where he would judge, but there will be a day that he is there. And he uses the truth about judging to make a tremendous claim. He came from the Father, God. The Father and the Son share the same will, they are one. Wow. Before they have a chance to catch their breath, he goes to Scripture, which they claim to believe, to support his argument. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. To their credit, they finally engage in the argument and ask a reasonable question. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. That's not probably the answer they thought they'd get, do you think? <laughs> or maybe the problem is they didn't ask the right question. It's not about where, it's about who. They don't know the father. How can they know the Son? This next little exchange comes right after this. It's really strange. Remember, these are the guys that want to arrest and kill Jesus. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. Will he kill himself? Uh, Where'd that come from? <laughs> what? People who don't believe really get it wrong sometimes. He said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Okay, they, they get a sort of where answer, above. <laughs> they knew that that meant heaven. The spirit nature in which God the Father dwells. But think about what they're hearing. This guy standing in front of them saying, he's not from this earth, he's from the spirit realm. <laughs> I kind of feel for them. I mean, if I had some guy telling me that, <laughs> I'd be calling for a padded wagon to haul him off. Okay? <laughs> Except for what those officers said. Nobody ever spoke like this. Nobody. Jesus isn't just any guy. And that's what he's trying to get across. He's trying to get them to think about who he is. And, in a sense, he succeeds. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. 
They didn't really get you. You can lead a horse to water, <laughs> but you can't make him drink. <laughs> they didn't get it. All these highly educated people should have gotten it, but they didn't understand. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for always do the things that are pleasing to Him. I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. After you've killed me, you'll see that I was telling you the truth. Then you'll get it. We kind of need an encouraging sentence. Are you ready for something really encouraging? Jesus was talking to them. They were talking to Jesus. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Many believed in him. Lots of them didn't believe. Enough of them that they were eventually able to arrest and kill Jesus to lift him up on a cross. But many believed in him. Many believed in him and many did not. And they hated him enough that they killed him. Some of those who did not believe, although I hope they had nothing to do with the crucifixion, were his own brothers. They didn't believe and taunted him. Show the world how great you are. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Okay, Jesus. Why make the world hate you by pointing out their evil deeds? One, he's not of this world. <laughs> and he will take all who believe out of this world. And how do they come to believe? By recognizing their works are evil and repenting. Well, how do they recognize? The very message that is needed to save those who will believe is the same message that infuriates those who will not believe. It's the same message. So it's like this. Everyone's guilty. The only question is, what are you going to do with your guilt? Every single human being has to face that truth, answer that question. Those who believe will turn all their guilt over to the Son who paid for their sins on the cross. Those who will not believe will hate the Son and all who do His work because they won't admit they are guilty. At the Last Supper, Jesus told the eleven, These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's kind of strangely encouraging. Uh. <laughs> Let's look at the last thing Jesus said that evening, just before he prayed for them. It was this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
Now that's encouraging. <laughs> Jesus has overcome the world. Has. is a done deal. If you will believe, you will overcome the world too. That way back when Jesus presented that hard truth, after this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered Him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that You are the Holy One of God. Do you believe? Do you believe this? That's the question. Ask people, can you say with Peter, Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. And I have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Do you believe? Will you love Him? Will you love us? (laughs) Will you gather together with us apart from the world? That's the great question.